48BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover. Hello and welcome to Cover to Cover Open Book, or as I like to say, Frame to Frame. My name is Raina Cowan, and I will be with you for the next half hour talking about film. Today, I'm talking about two films. The first is the new biopic of Tom of Finland, and the second is the new Agnes Varda film, Faces, Places, which is just delightful, and I'll get to that in a bit. But I'm going to start with Tom of Finland. Uh, Tukio Valio Lakensen uh, was a Finnish uh, artist, and he created these images that were these very highly masculinized, larger-than-life, homoerotic drawings. I think they first started with images of, like, men in uniforms, men in leather, (laughs) Men dressed as police, men as soldiers, <laughs> men as uniting the unifying factor, as well as phalluses and overly muscular breasts. Uh, he was born in 1920 and he lived until 1991 in Finland. Uh, you can still see his images, the present in bookstores and poster shops and online everywhere. So it was interesting that there's a biopic about him and Unlike some biopics where maybe it's really focusing on his sexuality or uh, sort of the eroticism of his story, this is really focusing on his life and how he lived sort of two lives, the life he lived in Finland sort of as a hidden uh, gay man who did these drawings and then somebody who eventually became well-known first in Los Angeles and throughout the world in gay communities for his art. So the film is directed by Finnish filmmaker Dome Koroskatski, and it stars uh, Pekka Strong. And uh, I interviewed Pekka, the who plays Tom of Finland. And uh, what's interesting about the film is that it starts with Tuko, who is an officer in the Second World War, and he's fighting the Germans and the Russians. And the uniformed men that we first have the homoerotic drawings of have the roots in these enemy soldiers' uniforms. So I just thought that was really interesting. So I interviewed Pekka this weekend, and I started by asking him, you know, who was Tom? What drew him to telling the story of being the character of Tom of Finland? I think he's, he's uh, in Finland, he's, uh, he's an icon and he's a symbol for the LGBT community. So, yeah, his importance is, is, is huge. And uh, the m- more and more, when I got did the research for, for the movie, I got to know how, how big he was in the world. So I didn't know that. And uh, now I'm just finding out, so... I don't know if you have a sense, since you've been researching him, if you had a sense, if he hadn't been in the war, do you think that these images would have come out in the way that they did? Because they're they're a little bit um, overly dramatic. They're very connected to the war in a way. Of course, it's a hypothetical question. Yes. I I, uh, can just uh, sort of... uh, I think the war was important because uh, he saw saw a lot of his uh, friends dying. And um, that sort of gave probably at least uh, I'm talking about my performance in in, uh, in in the film. 
and uh, our interpretation of Tom's life. When you see people dying, you get you realize that uh, this is not forever. You have to do things. So I think the courage and the, and, uh, the, the wisdom he had in, in, um, in the drawings uh, probably had something to do with him being in the war. So, so yeah, uh, but to address the question, uh, without the war, uh, I could just go on guessing. But let's say that it probably had a, a really, like, uh, a depth. It gave depth to... to to his uh, view on life. Because my sense is that it's almost like the trauma that he mm-hmm. went through. Like, these are almost like fantasy phantoms that were either going to kill him or turn into something erotic and exciting. Yeah. I mean, uh, w- what he did in uh, in all his drawings were like... Um, when we look at the police raids uh, in his pictures and in, in, in the movie, uh, he, he made the police... To be part of the sexual act, and uh, so I, I think uh, that's part of the humor, and it's also a, a way to sort of uh, make a reality a bit more interesting. Yeah, that's a really nice observation. I, I haven't thought about it too much. Yeah, thank you. So, <laughs> I'm wondering about your body in this film, like that. That there's a way that at the I guess when he's a soldier, he may be powerful. And then when he's persecuted for being gay and hiding himself, his body changes. And then as he does these images and comes to himself, something something else happens. So I'm wondering about the transformation of, of your body through the different scenes in the film. Well, I, I, I like to work, work with uh, music. So, so I uh, try to listen to songs that uh, meant something for me in different uh, stages in life and uh, try to fit them into the same feelings that he might have gone through so yeah it's it's fiction it's our interpretation of of, of Tom's life but as uh, the the, the VP of uh, Tom of Finland Foundation said yesterday in in LA that it's uh, accurate but it's not probably Sort of uh, the there's an accurate feel to it, when, uh, even if it doesn't follow exactly the facts of his life. And uh, what was it like for you to play the character? It was the best. I mean, I uh, I actually reminded myself today of of the first day of filming, just to uh, enjoy every day. That was exactly like like, like that. So I I, I don't remember. It, it being like a especially hard time, or uh, it was uh, it was really a lot of fun. I mean, you do the research before, and once you start shooting, then you just uh, trust your intuition. And uh, for me, it was a lot about uh, intuition in, in this movie. And um, I'm, if you look at Tom's life, uh, Finland was like uh, half alive, and then the other half was here. So uh, it's like a homecoming just uh, just to get uh, get the movie here. Yeah. So if we can go back to the idea of you know at this point in this country, I think that many heterosexual actors feel fine about playing the gay parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering what it's like in Europe and whether you felt like there was any issue in terms of taking on this role. I've got this question a lot of uh, like uh, in a lot of interviews and uh, it's uh, like. Uh, playing a character who wins the lottery 
without ever winning the lottery. It's a it, it's work and it's it's good. It's all good. So, but but the maybe the one thing that just sort of uh, hit me was that I, I've never been in the position of being a minority, and uh, I sort of uh, even if I'm I'm on safe ground, I mean it's just a movie. I sort of got to feel uh, how it could be if I if I was in a minority, and uh, maybe that educated me more than uh, anyone anybody else to to a broader understanding that uh, there are we take uh, we take some things for granted that are not for granted. I mean, not for everybody. So in in a way, like uh, Tom in his life, he he gave me a spank in a. In, in not a sexual way, in an educational way, after after he passed away, just uh, showing me that uh, this is how how it goes. It's interesting because um, as somebody who is outside the, I mean, he was sort of the founder of gay male porn. When I first saw the film at the Gay Lesbian Film Festival, the gay men didn't think it was explicit enough. I know. <laughs> you know, so I'm, which is interesting. So I'm wondering about, uh, the, in some ways, that this is a film that is actually about a character that um, other people can follow in a way. And I just wondered about the thinking about that. Uh, <clears throat> let me put it this way: that uh, I could never compete with what Tom did. I mean, uh, he, he he drew it like this. Um, it was just ink and paper. And uh, he he made up these fantasies about men uh, enjoying each other. I could uh, I could never go there. Uh, like uh, I could never show them the world they seen uh, they they see in their own uh, minds. So you can't comp- compete with fantasy. And uh, that was one uh, one of the things that we discussed with, discussed with the director. That this is uh, we want to tell a story about the man behind the pictures. So uh, he had these fantasies, and um, I uh, I do understand that uh, some some do criticize it uh, not being sort of uh, vivid enough or something. But uh, then again, uh, maybe maybe in the twenties and forties in Finland, maybe there weren't so many orgies. <laughs> right. Maybe they were in his mind. Maybe maybe he drew a world that he didn't. Uh, uh, that he, he, he weren't a part of. So, and then maybe that world is so important just because of that. So, not like a, a defense, but like a response. You know, it, it's so interesting because the film is so beautiful. It's really beautifully shot. Thank you. It's really, so too, yeah. it's really beautifully edited. Yeah, for I don't really like sort of costume dramas so much, and yet this felt like there was a substantial quality to it. So I thought that was really great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the way they work together, the director Dome and um, the Danish DP Lasse, it was so easy. I mean, uh, and we had a, such a, I mean, uh, such a talent for uh, costume design, uh, Anna Vilpone, who who is like. Uh, for me, one of the best in, in the world because she provides you with uh, with clothes that you can act in, not clothes that you can show off. So, yeah, it's, uh, it was easy just to 
to leave the clothes. Uh, yeah. Well, wait. So explain that. Uh, what What's the difference between clothes that you can act in versus clothes that are for show? Uh, sometimes when you're representing an, an era or an uh, age, and then. Uh, you have to sort of uh, show off these uh, that uh, we're 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 living this era, but the, the whole thing with Tom and uh, and uh, how uh, how the costume designer approached it was was more of like uh, how was how was it in uh, in everyday life and uh, what do you do when you go in uh, in the fifties when you need a leather costume? Where do you go? And uh, once you once you order it, what do you get? And uh, I think she's uh, she's one of the best in uh, in this, and I think that that also gi- gives the sort of the texture to the film that it feels. Uh, trying to find a word for it, but uh, uh, portraying uh, an era, it's like uh, living an era, and I think there's a difference. So there, there's this thing that's so amazing because there's the whole world of of Finland and you experience it the colors are really interesting they you don't realize it at the time but they feel so muted compared to when he goes to LA and LA feels like a wild world an extravaganza it feels crazy the colors are different everything feels completely um unusual at that moment and and it, it sort of captures how there's like these two different films put together in a way, and that was marvelous. I'm so happy to get this response from a professional viewer because uh, that was exactly the point to, that we were after. So, uh, but if you if you view Tom's life, he he, he lived like uh, like a really double life. Uh, that uh, in, in Finland he was this um, ordinary sibling. I just read. A new book by him, uh, or by, by uh, Susanna Luoto, that's uh, sort of going to the uh, what he wrote to his sisters and siblings and everything. So uh, there's like two characters. There's, uh, I mean, from the same year we're, we're talking about the 80s. There are pictures when uh, he's at the foundation in LA without a shirt in uh, in uh, in uh, leather pants, looking uh, like a sexy sexy. 58-year-old guy just like hanging out and uh, a bit drunk and uh, the same year he goes back to to Finland and uh, there's a picture with him and his siblings and he, he looks like this uh, grandpa <laughs> so uh, I'm really happy that the movie sort of uh, captures the feeling of how it was to grow up in Finland it, it wasn't it wasn't an orgy it wasn't uh, and uh then coming to LA is like a fairy tale. Yeah, I like that the director and uh, the editor that they use the slow motion when he got, gets there because uh, it sort of emphasizes that uh, um, the plane might have crashed and he might have sort of woke up in heaven. And um, that, that was my feeling too when I first got to LA. I mean, I've seen all the buildings. I've, I've lived there, but I actually never been there. So that was one... Um, one uh, <clears throat> note to self that I brought with me to the to the shoot. Yeah, that part was so interesting because it seems like he created a fantasy of what he thought male sexuality was, and then it's like he goes to a place where his fantasy is actually real, 
And and not only is it real, but he might have created that fan. I mean, that way that people lived. He he created something that they could adjust to. Yeah, I mean, uh, we totally agree on it, and uh, it's really it's really nice to hear that. Uh, uh, that the movie sort of uh, opens up to different views and uh, what can I say I can only brag about being interviewed by somebody who has seen the movie the same way as we did <laughs> that's lucky when that happens right <laughs> yeah it is it is it is totally so that there's some way where I don't know if by looking at his art his um his images, whether you felt like that you had to come to the point where they were sort of inside of you or whether it was okay to just act like you had created them or whether you actually like them now. Uh, Mark uh, Alton Brown, who, who worked on the dialogue, the international dialogue, the English dialogue, said so beautifully to me when we had a screening at the USC at the, in, in L.A. Uh, that the first time I got there, uh, they had like these... Um, meetings about the script but I, I had nothing to do there so I just wandered around it was really flattering how he sort of um, and, I, and I could sort of uh, understand what he was talking about that I absorbed the, the uh, as we say uh, in French and in, 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 in uh, Swedish the milieu the, the atmosphere of the house and uh, <clears throat> that was uh, probably the, the most important like um, Days in in the research, just uh, hanging out at the the foundation, meeting up with the guys, uh, Dirk Denner, the president, who's whose uh, work has been like marvelous and uh, sharp, uh, who's uh, who's also one of these and uh, the guys at the foundation. So just to get a feeling, I mean, uh, just as Tom, I'm from a small village in Finland. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly I'm I'm in LA and uh, and uh, they open up the doors and uh, you feel welcome. And uh, the segment where where Tom comes to LA, I think it's much about that. That just like uh, uh, not judging, but just uh, being like uh, really open to it. what's what's happening. Did I did I create this? And uh, I I hope that we got the feeling that Tom had when he, he, he went there. And that's something that was being dealt with. But I'm wondering that's if... Tom's uh, legacy, it's uh, about love and lust. Not uh, love or lust, but love and lust. Just to make sure that you enjoy this ride that we call life and uh, make sure that you enjoy sex and uh, each other. When did gay life become legal in Finland? Uh, it was, uh, I can't say the date, but it was uh, illegal till 1971 and it was uh, uh, considered a sickness till 1981. And uh, But I love the, the way that they started protesting against the law uh, about the sickness because people started to call into the office and say, I can't come to work. I'm sick. Well, thank you so much. That was an interview with Pekka Strang, who is the star of the new film Tom of Finland, directed by Dome Koroskowski. Uh, the film tells the tor- story of Tom of Finland, and it's a story of you know, love, courage, and perseverance mirroring the gay liberation movement. 
for uh, which his leather-clad studs served as kind of a defiant emblem. It's playing at the Embarcadero in San Francisco, the Shattuck in Berkeley, and it opens November 3rd at the Lark Theater in Larkspur. Uh, you're listening to Frame to Frame. My name is Raina Cowan. And I want to go on and talk about a film that I thought was particularly delightful that is opening this coming weekend. Uh, it's entitled Faces, Places, and it's directed by Agnes Varda. Uh, for all of you who are filmmaker, f- film fans, you might recognize her name. She's an 89-year-old filmmaker. She was one of the leading figures of the French New Wave. And... She joins up with a 33-year-old French photographer and muralist named J.R., and they co-direct this enchanting documentary road movie. And before I tell you about the movie, I just want to talk a little bit about Agnes Varda, because I think some of her films are among the my favorite films that I've ever watched. Uh, there's the film entitled uh, The Vagabond, which is the story of a young woman who was found dead in a village and it's clear that she's homeless and something has happened to her and the film is sort of going through the last moments of her life and what led to this death and how do you understand it she also had a wonderful film entitled uh, the gleaners and i and it tells the story of people who go from farm to farm and go after uh, leftover vegetables and fruits and then sort of save them and what happens. So she's uh, she does these remarkable films. One was a feature film, a fiction film. The other was a documentary. Uh, she was in the San Francisco area for a while and made films. Uh, she has hundreds of films to her credit. So uh, I was so excited to have this film to watch to try to understand something about where she's going because who would imagine that somebody at the age of 89 with failing eyesight would still make a film? So what happens is really very interesting. Varda hooks up with this 33-year-old French photographer, J.R. They both have a shared a lifetime passion for images and how they're created and displayed. It's interesting. What JR does is he has this giant truck that has on it what looks like the outside of a camera. And he goes from village to village or different places. And inside there's a camera that produces photos that are in giant format. And then he takes these different photos, he puts them together, and he pastes them on the walls of buildings. So some of them are permanent in that they don't get worn away. Others are temporary. They just last for a few hours. And there are pictures of people who live in the villages. There are pictures of um, fish or other objects. So there's something very delightful about this exploration of the two of them going together. Agnes, who is able to talk to anybody is able to get their story and tell their story in a very unique and amazing way. And then J.R., who is really wonderfully adept at taking not only these photos, but figuring out how to turn them into sort of an art installation that winds up speaking to the communities wherever the art is put. So it's it's a really remarkable kind of idea. So to have this be a road trip with two people of such different generations, uh, it could it could have gone south, but it didn't. It's uh, really amazing. So, for example, one of the stories of in this film, Faces, Places, is uh, the story of 
uh, um, they're going to the northern part of France where there used to be coal mines. And now there really aren't coal mines, but there's a woman, Janine, who is the last inhabitant in a row of miners' houses. And they meet her and they talk to her and she talks about her father who was a miner and then some of the other miners who had been miners share their stories about what it was like to be a miner and then JR takes their photos and so they're uh, on these row houses which are going to be destroyed are all these photos full size photos you know uh the size of a house of these different miners and it's just stunning it's amazing so it's creating two different elements together this way where there's these stories that are alive and interesting with very unusual characters i mean regular characters but somehow agnes varda is able to really capture who they are in a way that brings them to life and then jr photographs them and then people in the towns respond so it becomes kind of a modern art project of both uh capturing something understanding something and then visually looking at it so there it's it's remarkable Uh, another story of faces places which i think is unique to agnes varda since she was in the french new wave where there weren't very many women She's always asking this particular question. Well, where are the women? So they go to La Havre, which is a dock. And the dock is, uh, you know, there's giant ships everywhere. They actually are in the middle of a strike that is in this whole political action because the dock workers are very strong in France. And Agnes wonders, well, what about the women? And so she talks to three dock workers and then asks the women that these men are married to to come and they do a photo shoot based on these women. So it's there's something really unique, something about the creative process, putting together things in a new way. And through the course of the film, uh, Faces Places, not only are we experiencing Agnes and JR's work and ideas but they're getting to know each other they're beginning to tease each other we're beginning to see their strengths and their limitations the way that they engage with each other as well as with the community and and then they wrestle with certain things like there's images that back in the day before agnes varda was a self-made photographer uh, one of the things i'm sorry before she was a filmmaker she was a self-made photographer So she has these old images that she's really interested in having them be reused. And here it is, J.R. saying, well, that's an interesting image, but it won't really fit on this building. Or maybe it would be good for something like this, but not like that. And so there's a, a way where you're seeing two different artists who see the world in different ways, but are actually in communication with each other about the way that art works, how to make it moving, how to make it seem like it connects both to the environment that it's in, as well as to uh, the people who are in the community who are going to be watching it. So in some ways, it's raising the questions that are key to the art world today about making things relevant, about creating community space, about community organizing, and about working together. So the film is really wonderful it's delightful it's inspiring and it's very interesting faces places uh is directed by agnes varda and jr 
It won the Golden Eye Prize at the Cannes Film Festival. It won the People's Choice Prize at the Toronto Film Festival. And uh, it opens this coming Friday, and it plays at the Landmarks Embarcadero Center in San Francisco, at the Rafael Theater in San Rafael, in Berkeley, at the Rialto Cinemas, and the Elmwood Theater. So uh, there's many different places that you can see this film, and if you miss it for some reason, there's going to be a select East Bay engagement at uh, the Berkeley Art Museum Pacific Film Archive beginning in December, Friday, December 8th, running through the 28th at different screenings. So really well worth checking out. Uh, so once again, today we talked about Tom of Finland that's playing in the Bay Area and the new film that's opening, Faces, Places, directed by Agnes Varda and J.R. My name is Raina Cowan. I've been here for the last hour talking about film, and I'll be back next time. Thanks so much for listening. Eduardo Galliano is our world's most lovable revolutionary, says Naomi Klein. Most of us agree. We want to share a loving tribute to Eduardo, the great Uruguayan author of The Open Veins of Latin America, because his final book, Hunter of Stories, appears this November, a year and a half after Eduardo's death. KPFA has asked a few writers who love him to read his new stories to us and share their memories. Alice Walker, Al Young, Alejandro Murguia, and Aurora Levens Morales will do this on Sunday evening, November 19, 7.30 p.m. at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit has wheelchair access. Tickets are at brownpapertickets.com. Let your friends know, November 19th, Eduardo Galliano, Presente.